Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest Good morning, Edwin. Good morning, Andrew. And happy Valentine's Day, Edwin. Is it Valentine's Day? Already. Wow. We want to make sure we're doing something nice for the family, for the wives tonight. I hope I did something nice for Marita today. And to all of you husbands and boyfriends out there, you've been warned. I hope you're listening to this early in the day. This is your public service announcement. Public service announcement. Be a hero. <laughs> go, go buy some flowers, buy some, flowers. some chocolate, something. And be a hero. That's right. Do the dishes. <laughs> Matthew 24, though. Yeah, so here we are, Monday, new week, and we are turning the page to Matthew chapter 24. Here we have, coming off of the 23rd chapter, where Jesus had preached very directly to the Pharisees, pronouncing the woes upon them, and where the chapter ends, it's expanded to be talking about Jerusalem more in general. The city who kills the prophets. Mm-hmm. And it's, the fact that it's their city is going to be left to them desolate. The city's going to be left to them. Judgment desolate. is coming. Mm-hmm. Sets the stage for the narrative that we pick up then in Matthew twenty-four, verses one through eight, English Standard Version. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, "You see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down." As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Interesting idea that Jesus is walking around with his disciples, and as it begins, they are viewing, walking out from the temples and and noticing, observing them. He says, do you not see all these things? Not one stone will be left upon another. Well, that sure goes in with the idea of the city being found desolate. Uh, And now even the temple itself, the idea that it's going to be uh, summarily dismantled. Yeah, he has just talked about this judgment that's going to come on Jerusalem. Actually, for the last couple of chapters, we've been seeing his hinting at it in the Mm -hmm. parables Mm -hmm. and in the miracles and object lessons. Then he just straight up states it back in chapter 23, and for some reason, as they're leaving the city, the disciples are looking back in awe and wonder mm-hmm. at the buildings, and it's it's almost like Jesus is saying, were y'all listening? <laughs> were you listening? I, I just said that this place is going to be left desolate, so you guys are in awe of the buildings, you are in awe of the city, but I'm telling you, don't be too awed, because this city is going to be destroyed. Uh, for these Jews and for the people walking by, the temple was a most impressive structure. I think we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, how when Jesus had cleansed the temple in Matthew's account, chronologically, it's probably the second time that it happened. That when you read in John's gospel in the second chapter, it looks like uh, early in his ministry, um, 
he had cleansed the temple. But just a, 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 an element of that story, I'm looking at John chapter 2 and verse 19. Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews says, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Um, 46 years. This was a major public works project. This was something that was a sign of uh, accomplishment and wealth and national pride and, you know, the the uh, focus of their spiritual efforts and worship, you know, all of that. Um, and, and he says that it's going to be going away. You remember back in the season on the Psalms, mm-hmm. in the last couple of Psalms, as they, several of them, looked to Jerusalem and to the temple— so I'm thinking specifically about Psalm, let's see here, 48. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. For behold, the kings assembled. They came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight. Trembling took hold of them there. Anguish as of a woman in labor. By the east wind you shattered the ships of Tarshish, as we have heard, so we have seen, in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will guide us forever. Mm. Especially at the last end of that psalm, that almost sounds like what the apostles are doing. Hey, we're walking around Jerusalem, we're (laughs) taking note of the city and the buildings, and, and we're commenting. It's almost like they are obeying this psalm. And and, and and they're walking with the Lord, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The Lord's come to his temple. And what Jesus brings out is, yeah, that psalm's not about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is the way it's supposed to be. But the problem is Jerusalem has been unfruitful. Jerusalem has not been bearing the fruit to the glory of right, the Lord. They right. have not been working in the vineyard. The Jewish leaders have not been bearing the fruit of the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, so this, this, this thing... What we're going to find out is the city of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, was something else God was looking forward to, not really those buildings there. And of course, we'll find out later as we get into Ephesians and some other passages that that's the church, the church of the living God. That's right. It's his church. That's the ultimate fulfillment. Amen. But right now in Matthew 24, (laughs) he's talking about judgment. He's talking about judgment, uh, a, a... Judgment that will befall, and again, you can read in history about the uh, literal fulfillment of this in the year AD 70 when the Romans marched against Jerusalem, and they cleaned house. They tore the city down, the walls down, the temple down, all of that, and actually went on to destroy quite a bit of the Jewish people Mm -hmm. in Palestine at that time, Qumran, Masada, and, and just all over the place. But hey, there is a statement that Jesus makes here, and uh, it's in verse 4, take heed that no one deceives you. Okay. Yeah, the ESV said that no one will lead you astray. No one leads you astray. Okay. Because people are coming who are going to do that. Yeah. Isn't that something that uh, amidst this prophecy about destruction and judgment, there's more foretelling going on here that people will come and try to deceive 
his disciples. I always find that remarkable. I think about who is in the entourage at this time. I'm sure it's the apostles, maybe the apostles plus, but the idea that people who would know the Lord could potentially be deceived and, and led astray from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't allow it. There's going to be false Christs. Mm-hmm. Later, it's going to talk about false prophets and false teachers. There yeah. can be people. I, when, when I think about this, especially in the context of destruction of Jerusalem, I think back when Ezekiel has gone to Babylon and he's writing back mm. to Israel and Jeremiah is prophesying and you have the false prophets that are saying, no, this sort of thing, could, this could not happen to Jerusalem. Sure. Babylon's going to be driven out. Look, it'll just sure. be a couple of weeks, months, years. Don't worry about it. It's almost like Jesus is setting up that this this same kind of thing is going to happen. I'm telling you judgment is coming. Yeah, There's going to be others that come along trying to tell you, no, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. We are God's chosen people. This is God's chosen city. That's God's house. It's the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the mm-hmm. Lord. And so there's going to be a repeat. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, yes, he's do knows. not be led astray. I'm telling you what's going to happen. Don't be led. When somebody else says something else, don't let that lead you astray. Mm-hmm. There's a great lesson there for all of us and for all time, isn't there? Not to be led astray from the word of Christ and from the way of Christ. Well, I know that a lot of people looking at Matthew chapter 24, there's a lot of disagreements about what it's about um, in the the broader world and even even yeah. among folks who... who uh, are having the same mindset about authority in the New Testament than you and I often present here. There's some disagreements. Is Matthew sure. 24 about Rome? Is it about Jerusalem? Is it about the end of time? Is it a combination? Um, no matter what it's about, I think the statement, don't be led astray, mm-hmm. is an important principle mm-hmm. for us to recognize about every aspect of what Jesus taught. Somebody wants to lead us astray. Yeah. You know, on that thought... Uh, I was reminded of the work of Simon the Sorcerer in Acts the 8th chapter as a case study of one who set himself up to lead people astray. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, and it's always interesting to me how he's described, I'm going to put my finger here on it, uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse number 9, there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria. Claiming that he was someone great, he made the claim, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. Here's a fellow that promoted himself to the peoples. I am the leader and a religious leader. The peoples themselves called him the great power of God, which Mm. interestingly is that word dunamis, right? We know from the scriptures later that the real power of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the power of God to salvation. But this Simon guy says, I'm the power of God. And I think, you know, when when I take that and I pair it with this warning in Matthew, here's a fellow coming in line saying, listen to me. I'm God's man. I'm God's messenger. Do what I say. And even in Acts 8, but but he really was a fraud. He's so impressed when he sees the evangelist Philip and the genuine miracles that are preached. And he is moved by this gospel of Jesus Christ to where the scripture says that he believes this gospel and he is baptized. Even a fraud could see the truth Mm. and be persuaded by it so as not to be led astray. Going back there to Matthew 24, look at verse 5. In, in Matthew 24, verse 5, what, what's the New King James say there? 
Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So many will come in my name and say, I am the Christ. Hmm. Does that, that strike you as odd? I'm, in, in, look, in Jesus' name, I am the Christ. Yeah, how would that work exactly? Um, I guess as I chew on this for just a moment, I do recall his warning in the Sermon on the Mount that on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, would, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name? And as I recall, he says to those people, and I will say, depart, I never knew you, workers of iniquity. Mm-hmm. So he has contemplated the idea of people coming in his name, but doing things that were not from him or yeah. from the Father. You think this is more of that? Well, I certainly think there's some idea there. I think when he says they come in my name, obviously they're not literally doing that, but but claiming that. They're claiming that they're coming claiming in his name. Claiming in but, my name, sure. But what I find interesting is that for us, we would hear that as coming in the name of Christ, I am the Christ, which almost, I, it, it makes me wonder if this is not a little bit of one of those admissions of deity, mm. coming in God's name, I am the Christ. Okay, okay. Because it would be funny to be saying, I am coming in the name of Christ, of the Christ, I am the Christ. Uh, I am. Well, and even as you say that, I think about some of, some of the great humility that we see in Jesus, particularly in uh, John's recordings in the Gospel of John, how he always emphasized that he was coming to do the Father's will, mm-hmm. and not not to glorify himself per se, but to make sure he's always glorifying the Father. Well, and I know we've really pretty much reached the the limit for this conversation, but I guess just really quickly, what what advice would you give to make sure even today we are not led astray? Well, I think about the warning in Galatians 1, that the gospel's not going to be changed, in verses 6 through 8, that even if uh, you know an apostle or an angel should preach any other thing, then let him be accursed. Uh, we need to hold to the Word of God and trust in it and just be aware that there will be efforts of teachers and people presenting themselves as spiritual authorities, but test their teachings. And if it's different, then then that is not Christ. That's not from Christ. There's no other Christ. There's no other King. There's no other Lord. Stick with His Word mm-hmm. and go back to what has been revealed from Him through the Spirit to the apostles and do not be led astray, because people are trying. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. trying. Let's have our eyes open. People are trying to lead us astray, and we must not allow it. That's a great lesson. Appreciate so much you joining us for Text Talk today. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from all of our listeners. Text Talk at ChristiansMeetHere.org. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, for your word. Father, as we get to spend some time this week looking at Matthew 24, contemplating Jesus' teaching and predictions about judgment, we pray, Father, that we might understand that judgment is a reality. We might understand, Father, that there are dark spiritual forces at work and at play to lead people astray. But, Father, we trust that you would keep us in faith and by your word. Help us, Father, to cling to it so that we would not be cheated and not led astray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at ChristiansMeetHere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song, You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.